the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. When I think of the word grace, I think many years ago I saw on a news show there was an Amish family that um, they were out with their horse and buggy and a drunk driver hit this buggy and it killed the child of the parents. And you would think they would be bitter. And the man that was the drunk driver was uh, locked up in jail, of course. But not only did they forgive but they went to visit him, and they did all they could to help him get his life back together, and they forgave a hit-and-run driver in Wisconsin. That's grace, to be willing to not only forgive, but help restore the one that did you wrong. And in the book of Galatians, we see the grace of God. Bert, I just, uh, my mind just goes... Uh, in so many directions, my heart is moved when I think about the grace of God and how the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's grace, isn't it? It is, and definitions have flown, but I love it, unmerited favor. There's mm. nothing deserving on our part to receive what God has made available to us through Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing on our behalf, but he, and I'm going to quote a song, he looked beyond our fault, and faults, plural, and saw our need. Alex, the grace of God is sufficient, and uh, if there's someone who's listening that feels beaten down, that feels like there's no hope for them, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. He cares for you. He's got, honestly, he does have a plan for your life, and it's a good plan, didn't say it'd be easy, but it's a plan, and that plan is for you to know Jesus Christ as Savior, and then he can use you with purpose, and you can have eternal life, which is starts now and continues after death. Father uh, Alex, that's the great thing about eternal life. It starts here upon earth and continues on into glory, doesn't it? Well, it does. I've got a dear evangelist friend in North Carolina. He may be listening right now, Dale Riddle. Uh, a lot of people heard Dale Riddle preach, and he used to always say, he said, uh, heaven's now. Now, of course, there's a home in heaven. Once we die and leave this world, you'll be in the presence of the Lord, and he's gone to prepare a place for you. But really, uh, we are living in our everlasting life even now. And so Christianity is not just... Uh, well, I pray a prayer, and decades from now, I'll go to be with Jesus. He's walking with you even now, if you're a believer. And before we get back into the book of Galatians, Bert, i got to do something, and I am so excited. Uh, I would turn a cartwheel, but I'm afraid I would knock over this <laughs> microphone. But some of the finest people that I have ever met in my life are in the state of Missouri. And over the weekend, I was uh, outside of St. Louis in Irondale and Farmington, Missouri, and uh, Dan Herbst, who's a, a contractor, and I'm not going to name all the pastors and all the churches because I wouldn't get them all in, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I will say this, Sunday morning, yesterday, it was my honor, and what an honor it was, to preach in the oldest continually used Methodist church west of the Mississippi, 1866. 
It was built. It's been in the gospel use ever since. And the old brick church, a Methodist church in Irondale, Missouri, yesterday morning, and then we had meetings on Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. And Bert, it was just wonderful to see the Spirit of God move as churches, Baptist, Assembly of God, Nazarene, Methodist, all coming together to pray for America. And uh, a lot of folks said how they love you, Bert, and they love exploring the Word and AFR and uh, I could tell so many things, but I just want to give a big shout out and tell you I love you in the Lord, Missouri, and thanks for a great weekend. Alex, when you was naming all of those people from the different churches, sounded a little bit like heaven, brother, because went up there. I don't think we're going to be divided up, Baptist over here, the Methodist over there, you know. And uh, it says we're going to be gathered around the throne, singing glory Amen. and honor and power to the Lamb of God. Alex, uh, that's great to hear. Uh, now, yes. we're talking about the old Greek <laughs> church. We're talking about the building itself has been in use since 1866. Absolutely. Wow. And I took a picture of it. Yes. And the bricks were handmade. And, and you know, all these folks came together, and it really was the vision of this dear listener, and he, he and his wife Jill may be listening right now, Dan Herbst, who is a builder, but he he worked and rallied, got all these pastors and churches together, and uh, let me just say this, folks, if you're seeking revival in your community, um, I've quoted it so many times, but Dale Moody said, listen, God is pleased when Christians work together. Hey, Amen. Alex, I want to say the some of the best meetings I've been in is when churches work together. Uh, I, I believe that shows humility. You can't, and God honors humility. He hates pride. Because we need each other. We do need each other, and it demonstrates it that, hey, we're not in this together, and uh, we we don't lay down our our beliefs, our, you know, those things that are principles that we live upon to work with others. And so I, I pray that be more churches that would do that in the future and just see what God can do. That sounds Amen. great, brother. I, I, I got to tell you this. Um, some people drove a long way. There was a couple, and they uh, came from Olympia, Washington, uh, and they had a home there in Missouri, but they were all the way out in Olympia, Washington, and they drove back to get to these meetings, and I appreciate that. So much I could say. But there was a, a married couple got married on Saturday, so they'd been married maybe 24 hours, if that. And they came on their honeymoon, drove to be at the meetings, and they said they listened to Exploring the Word, and just great people. And uh, God Amen. is moving, and we want to encourage all of you all, no matter where you are, pray for America. Please, please intercede for this country, and God will respond to those prayers. He does. God, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a righteous people— will avail much man i'd like to know how much much is and uh, that's yeah. what we want to find out so pray hey alex i think we need to start off prayer i know Amen. you prayed and i was praying along with you before we went on the air and asking the lord to bless the week let's pray right now for that could i lead us in prayer for that lead us bert father we just thank you for the opportunity for alex and myself to be a part of exploring the word thank you for devin who does such an yes. awesome job on the board and helping us to stay on track and yeah. i pray you would just help us to demonstrate not just talk about 
but demonstrate the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And Father, I pray and I thank you for those churches and those individuals that just are praying and seeking your face. Father, we, we pray for revival, but the Bible makes it plain. We're to seek your face. And when we do that, we will hear from heaven as we turn from our sin and turn away from our own ways to your ways as we humble ourselves before you and and confess our sins. Father, we will hear from you, and we're praying that you would just pour out your spirit upon your believers here that we can see God's power demonstrated in our lives as his presence is made known in and through us Help us this week to glorify your son, Jesus. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Powerful. Amen. Well, Bert, we are in the book of Galatians, and we've gone through Galatians 1 and 2 and getting into 3, and uh, I'm loving it. Uh, You know, Galatians 3 is one of those very key chapters, and and folks, if if you get Galatians 3, a lot of potentially challenging scripture is really going to come clear to you. It will be. And and when you come to verse 19, it gives us the purpose of the law. And let me just say this, it was never for people to be saved by. It was, it was not given for that. And it, but yet people trying to get by within their own works, tried to make the law the means by which they could come to God. I just want to tell you today, that's impossible. Only through Jesus. Remember what he said? I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through by me. Alex, uh, I wasn't an English major like you were, but I did learn what a definite article is. And he is the way, the truth, the life. Not a way. Yes. You know, he is it, isn't he? Jesus is the door to heaven, really. And I know you've mentioned that sermon so many times. We we did it on Fireway Friday. You were talking about the sermon about the man who kissed the door to heaven, but yet went to hell. Speaking of Judas, Jesus is the doorway. He he is the good shepherd. He says everybody else is a thief and a robber, the false teachers. He is not one option among many. Putting your faith in Jesus is the way to be saved, the way. And so in Galatians 3, uh, like you said, beginning at verse 19, you see Paul, the writer of Galatians, had talked about how that to be a child of Abraham, it comes about not by works, but through faith. And uh, really, our sins against God, our infractions against his holy law, really put a curse of judgment on us. And so if you look at the holy law of God, and you think about the righteousness of, of the Lord, if, if we're honest with ourselves, we say, like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a sinner. Woe is me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips, Isaiah said, for I have seen the king. Bert, doesn't that strike you how Isaiah would say that? Now, here's the point. If we're honest in light of a perfect holy God, we're, we're guilty. And don't say to yourself, well, you know, I'm not as bad as some people. I mean, I read about people in the newspaper and they rob banks and all that, and I'm not that bad of a person. Listen, 
uh, that guy in the newspaper is not the standard that we measure from. Amen. The, the, now, the standard yeah. is Jesus Christ, and in Amen. light of him, we fall short by a million miles. Amen, Alex. And notice, the law and the promises work together. The promise that was gave, given to Abraham and the law, they're not competi competing with one another. The law, is, and he's going to make that statement in chapter 4, he's the one that helps us, or the law is the one that helps us, brings us to Christ. Notice what it says in verse 21. It is the law. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not, or can't, uh, God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Alex, in other words, if. It could have happened. It reminded me of what Jesus said in the garden. Father, if there be any other way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. And then Paul writes, if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. Alex, uh, there is no way. Again, uh, Paul is going around telling folks this is it. It's only through Christ. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, who believe? Not just to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. This is, this is ex exclusivity of the gospel that includes all who would come to Jesus, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And, and the word schoolmaster there uh, really means tutor. Because it shows us, just like a tutor says, here's what you need to do. A look at the law of God shows us how much we need God's mercy and, yes, God's grace. Hey, we're going to continue in Galatians chapter 3 when we come back. Uh, it, we'll finish it and get into chapter 4. And I believe and I really know you'll be blessed. Stay tuned. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Andrea Palm, Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services. She oversees operations within the department, including health, safety, welfare, and family services. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 reminds us of God's blessings of good health. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Andrea Palm as she serves in the health and human services. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Many people think their better-than-average behavior is enough to get them into heaven. But Dr. Tony Evans says that when it comes down to it, it really doesn't matter what we think. He'll explain why as we spend two minutes with Tony. Here's what men do not understand. God only accepts what he accepts. He doesn't accept what you want him to accept just because it's acceptable to you. Have you ever had somebody do some work for you in the house? And they thought they did a good job. But you have to tell them you're not satisfied with what they did, even though they were excited about it. Because the standard is you, because you're paying the price. So God 
is the standard by which what is acceptable to him. The Bible declares Jesus tasted death for all men. The Bible declares, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that he was the Lamb of God who satisfied the demand of God because he met the standard of God. The Lamb of God had to be perfect. Jesus Christ was perfect. He qualified. The Lamb of God had to be human. Jesus became a man. But he had to be human, but he had to be a perfect human. Jesus Christ fulfilled the requirement to be the substitute. Since there's no way we can meet God's standard on our own, our only hope is to let God meet it for us. That's why Jesus came to earth and sacrificed his life on the cross. To find out more, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the Jesus link in the top menu. You'll find a straightforward explanation of real Christianity and free resources to help get your new life started. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Explore the Word. Bert and Alex with you on this Monday, the first day of uh, this week of broadcasting. Now, it's not Sunday. I don't mean that first day, but the first day of our week of broadcasting. And we want to look at Galatians Again, chapter 3, Alex, you mentioned the word tutor, schoolmaster. The whole idea of that, I did some research on that. It's the idea in the Roman culture, there was, it was more than just going to school for a while. It was someone that was over you in, in what not only your learning, but what you did in all your activities. And, and in other words, you remained, uh, you remained under the slave of because the schoolmaster was the was usually a slave that would keep you in check and that's what the law was given and it was to come out of that law and the galatians was wanting to go back under it what they had been brought out of by faith yeah, into liberty yeah they wanted to go back into the bondage and have that over them and paul was writing you really i think he was saying you really don't know what you're asking for you know, yeah, you don't yeah. want to go back there. Let me read verse 22, uh, 24 and 25. We started that right before the break. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. We don't need that tutor. We've become man. In other words, the word adopted, we're going to get to that in a moment, uh, in the uh, in the Greek and Roman world, that adoption's not quite like ours worked, you know, because the only way to come to Christ is through the new birth. But that adoption explains our position. We're adopted as sons. We Thank come you, in needing to grow, but we're still sons and we're heirs of, of God immediately at salvation. That's awesome mm -hmm. what we have in Christ. 
That, that's right. I've mentioned this before in years past, but the word there, the King James translates it schoolmaster. Some translations will say guardian. Uh, some translations will actually say trainer. But the word in the Greek is uh, pedagogy. Now, some of you keyboard and piano players, maybe if you studied uh, music in college or even classical music, um, there's a class of keyboard pedagogy, the training. And really, there's, there's pedagogy in any discipline. You know, the person that's going to be a teacher or the person that's going to be in law enforcement or, or the army, anything you do that you're committed to, you discipline yourself, you want to be the best you can possibly be at something, that's pedagogy or training or discipline. And the law, like Spurgeon said, it's a whip that drives us to Christ. Now, verse 26 says, you're all children of God by faith in Jesus. You know, Bert, we ought to Put that on a billboard, Galatians 3.26. Amen. For year, all children of God by what? By faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. Now, we've said this many times, and Bert, um, you feel free to jump in. The New Testament uses the word baptism in a couple of different ways. People ask the question, they'll, they'll often call in, they'll say, do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? Now, what they, what they mean, I suspect, is they're asking, do you have to be water baptized? Water baptism is a fine thing, but to go to heaven, you are, quote, baptized into Christ through faith. See, if you put your faith in Jesus, you are in Christ. Now, water baptism is not what saves you. It's a way that you identify with Christ and with the local church. But, Bert, if I'm reading... Galatians 3, 26 and 27 right here, we're, we're children of God by faith in Jesus. And if we've put our faith in Jesus, then we have been baptized. You got baptized it right, Alex. Him. Matter of fact, when Paul was on his missionary journeys, uh, there were several times that, you know, they, uh, they had received the baptism of John, but they had not had the Holy Spirit and they were you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit coming into their life, immersing them, pouring out His Spirit upon them, all those word pictures. But it is exactly right, the Word of God speaking, and here it is, the baptism that He says, I have, uh, you know, the whole idea is that of, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. For through the law I died to the law, that I might ha live to Christ and uh, mm -hmm. so, Alex, it is we're justified by that faith. And here in Galatians chapter three, it says, after that, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you're all one in Christ Jesus. There's no advantage after Christ comes into your life. There's no advantage at being a Jew or a Greek. There's no advantage at slave or free. You're one in Christ, and there's neither male nor female in our position with Christ. You know, now what would Pharisees pray? They would pray, Lord, I thank you that I am a Jew and not a Gentile. I thank you that I am a man and not a woman, and I thank you that I'm free and not a slave. And here Paul just takes that and he says, these right. divisions that have been in your past, you, they, they have no place, no place 
in your relationship with Christ. Now, we're Amen. not talking about a job to be done. We're talking about in your relationship to Christ. No, we're in him, period. Well, you know what? Um, this verse, Galatians 3.28, has got to rank up there with one of the most misused verses of our lifetime. I think about Matthew 7.1, which says, Judge not that you be not judged. Boy, that's been taken out of context and used and misused in our lifetime. But let me say Galatians 3.28, what it, it is not saying, because it says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Yeah, we, we are one, a unified body of believers, the family of God. And John 17.21 talks about our unity in Jesus. But, Bert, when I read Galatians 3.28, it is not, it could not be used as an argument for transgenderism, could not be used as an argument for the radical egalitarianism that's being really, beat, we're beaten over the head with every day that, you know, well, they're gay, straight, it's all the same. Transgender, cisgender, it's, all, no, look, what this is saying is simply that we are one. We all come to God the same way through faith in Jesus, and we're part of his family. But look, Jew and Gentile still exists, and male and female still exists, doesn't it? It does. And again, it's it's coming to Christ. Keep this in context. The only reason people do that and misuse these scriptures, Alex, and you and I talk about it all the time, read that scripture in context and uh, I was listening to Michael Youssef earlier today in a sermon, though he's the pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia, just a great man of God. And he was talking about a man, you know, that would open up his scriptures every morning and, and just point to a scripture, and that would be his verse for the day. And he said, this is what Michael Youssef said. This is just a story. He opened the Bible, and it said, Judas went, and hung himself. He said, well, that's no good for today. I'm going to try again. And he did it, and he did it again. He says, you know, you go and do likewise. He said, well, that doesn't <laughs> make any sense. He tried it the third time, and he said, what you do, do quickly. Now, <laughs> that's taking the scriptures out of context. And if you try to take Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, to prove this agenda from from the very pit of hell to to make it right, it's completely out of context. Exactly. And those of us who share Scripture, we're not saying this in hatred. We're not sh sharing this in bitterness. We're just saying, come to Christ. He will love you. He will let things be different. The Bible says in, in Corinthians, he says, we're new creations in Christ. All things have become new. You're a new creation in Christ. You don't lose your identity as a male or a female. You don't lose your identity. You gain a new identity along with that other physical identity mm -hmm. you have in Christ. Alex, uh, again, I think the next verse also goes along with that. And if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. How do you like that? Heirs. That Amen. means we receive what Christ has given us, and we receive it at the point of salvation. Does he add to it along the way? He sure does. But we have gotten all that we can. We have Christ at that point of salvation, don't we? 
We, we really do. And one last thing I would say, if anybody ever says to you, well, you know, the Bible can mean whatever people say it means. I mean, people twist the Bible. And I've had people, Bert, try to argue that, you know, the, the meaning of Scripture is just not knowable. It's incomprehensible. But Second Peter 1.20 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. That means that none of us has the right to uh, shoehorn our opinion into Scripture. We can't twist a verse of Scripture to mean whatever we want it to mean. So if somebody says to you that, well, you know, um, this agenda of redefining marriage, redefining history, redefining gender, well, you know, Galatians 3.28 says there's no distinctions. No, you can't make it mean that. I mean, they can attempt to, but there is an objective meaning. Now, objectivity means it's true whether we realize it or not. It's outside of us. There's an objective meaning for every verse of Scripture, and Scripture will never contradict itself. If you've got somebody saying a verse means such and such, but that goes against some other known truth, then that can't be the right interpretation because Scripture will never contradict Scripture. Am I right, Bert? You are exactly right, and stay with it. And that's reason one of the reasons we do explore in the Word. We do our best to do and stay in the context of Scripture of what it says. When you look at it, you're looking, is it Old or New Testament? Is it prophecy or is it poetry or is it history in the new testament it is from the gospels or the book of acts or it's one of the letters or revelation you look at all of that you look at which who wrote it when they wrote it what they wrote it for the purpose of and every bit of that goes into interpreting that passage of scripture and you can get it from the scripture you don't have to go to seminary you got the greatest teacher in the world in your life called the holy spirit Amen. he will lead you Amen. to all truth and you come to chapter 4. Now listen to this. And I, I hope we can get through uh, verse, uh, I think, verse 4 or 5 or 6. Now I say that the heir, ha as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. In other words, a child is told what to do. A slave is told what to do. Exactly. And then exactly. it says, though he is, a, is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. In other words, you remember the prodigal son? He wanted his inheritance when? Right now. And the father gave it to him. There's a time when the father would release all that was stored up for them into the hands of the heir. In Christ Jesus, and they got to keep this in context, the, these Judaizers that was coming along, they were putting them back under that which they had come out from and alex they had said you're no longer just a slave under the law you have been set free you're heir you've been adopted you're in christ and so listen he was saying don't go back to the law don't yes. let the uh the grace and the liberty be misused use it for the glory of god and amen they were not doing that alex well you know um this letter would have been read by Jews and Gentiles because a lot of scholars think that uh, chapter 4 here where he says that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs not from a servant. See, they, they would have understood this. In Rome, there was a legal doctrine called 
tutela impuberis. Now, what does that mean? It means the guardianship of a minor. We have a uh, laws like that now, like uh, yes. endangerment of a minor. Now, a Roman father uh, would basically put into place uh, a, a document that said if he were to die or if he were somehow out of the picture, that a guardian would look after his child till he was 25 years old. And the child, uh, as long as he was under the tutelage of the overseer, um, he, it was really to protect him from himself. But once he was of age, he was accountable for himself. And so they would have understood this. And he says in Galatians 4.2, you know, a child is under tutors and governors until the time appointed by the father. You might have seen like in um, Mary Poppins or The Sound of Music, the word governess is used a lot uh, of a nanny or a teacher. So a tutor or an overseer or a governor or governess looked after the children to keep them safe and to bring them to a point of knowledge and self-responsibility. And see, that's the truth of God's word. To bring, See, friend, the Lord will do everything. He moves heaven and earth to get you to a point where you will understand and grasp the message and open your heart to Christ. Now, the one thing God won't do, he won't override your free will. He's not going to make you believe in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit will call to you and beckon. And I hope maybe even now you're understanding that God loves you. And though you are a sinner, you're valuable to God. And if you'll ask him and put your trust in Jesus, what he did on that cross, God will forgive you. And that's our prayer for you, that you'll trust Jesus right now. No delay right now. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to come into your life, for he has done everything that is necessary in waiting on you. We're going to take phone calls. That number is 888-589-8840. Give us a call. We want to hear from you today. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word. And we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Genesis 3 records for us the cataclysmic rebellion against God in the Garden of Eden. The entire episode, Eve's entertainment of the sensual lies of the talking snake, the deceptive twisting of God's word, all of it transpired with Adam standing right there. Adam was the one to whom God entrusted his word originally. Adam was the one God charged with cultivating and protecting the garden and his wife. 
Yet he stood there, silent. Men, let us not repeat Adam's sin of present absence. Stand on God's word and defend your gardens. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In 2004, multiple hurricanes hit the coast of Florida, leaving thousands of people without power. People frantically bought portable generators to keep everything together. But one man's generator was stolen even while it was running. They started the man's lawnmower and left it running outside. Then they took off with their prize while the owner was fooled into a false sense of security. Satan is a thief. He does everything he can to distract us from focusing completely on God's grace and salvation. He works to create a false sense of security while he steals our joy. Stay alert. Don't let Satan catch you with your guard down. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. As we go, let us tell the world of Christ. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Hey, by the way, we're going to go to calls right now, and the number toll-free is 888-589-8840. Hey, I do want to say this before we open up the call board. Truth for a New Generation is coming up October 15 through 17, and among all that we have, I'm going to tell you very briefly, we're going to have a half-a-day workshop with one of the number one youth ministries in the country. It's called Ground Zero. And up close and personal, the the founder of Ground Zero and all of his staff will train you and your church to reach young people and 20-somethings. And everybody's asking, oh my goodness, how how can we reach young people? Well, at TNG Fall 2021, October 15 through 17, among everything else, Frank Turek, Sandy Rios, a lot of great stuff, we're going to train you on how to, yes reach and evangelize and retain teens and young adults. You can go to truthforanewgeneration.com, truth, F-O-R, truthforanewgeneration.com. We'd love to see you there this fall. But, Bert, uh, first of all, we're going to go to the telephones, and this we love it. We love to hear from you all. So, folks, uh, bring us your Bible questions. And, Bert, where shall we go first? We'll go to your home state of North Carolina and talk to Chris. Welcome, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? You're loud and clear, brother. Go right ahead. Awesome. Uh, I just caught the, the last part of the, of the conversation. I got off work a little late today, so you guys are part of my daily routine, um, and I really appreciate the work that y'all do. Um, so my question is regarding salvation, and I know, you know, God doesn't force us to believe, but also, you know, read in Scripture um, that, you know, faith is a gift. So I was wondering, like, even from my own salvation story, like, you know, I was maybe agnostic or I wasn't sure, but God, you know, sent a dream, and, you know, it, that dream confirmed to me that he was real. So I was wondering, like, 
although he doesn't co- he doesn't force you to believe, what do y'all think about like he kind of reveals himself in a way it's like a like a deal you can't refuse. Like if he shows you who he is and he's proven that he he's God to you or make you know causes your heart to believe, uh, it's like you can't refuse it. Uh, and I'll just you know listen to y'all and hear what y'all have to say. God bless. Okay, Chris. Thank you, brother. Thank you for listening. Uh, this comes up to me because Alex has already referenced it today and we did Friday. Judas is carried who knew Jesus, walked beside Jesus, worked with Jesus, kissed the door to heaven. And yes, it was as clear as anything. He, he was trying to get Jesus uh, to do something or, you know, that he was not going to do. He wanted to be a part of an earthly kingdom. We don't know all the things that was in his heart. But Alex, uh, man, uh, is it irresistible? Is is his grace irresistible? Uh, no, I think his grace is resistible. Yep. Now we we should respond to it. It's a precious, wonderful thing. But no, the grace of God most certainly is resistible because Jesus said, "Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, you who stone the prophets, kill those who I sent to you." How often? Would I have gathered you to myself as Mother Hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And so, do you know what? The idea that uh, you put your faith in Jesus, but that faith uh, was really somehow put inside of you before by God. Um, Revel, um, Romans 12, 3, Paul says, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, think soberly, uh, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So if you read uh, Romans 12, 3, it sounds like saving faith uh, was put into you by God, but what this is uh, talking about, if you look at the larger context of Romans 12, um, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, a reasonable service. Do not be uh, conformed to this world. Let me say this. How you approach life, how you love and serve the body or serve yourself, how you even see yourself, what Romans 12.3 is talking about really is the way that you uh, understand yourself, self-perception, and your responsibility to God. But saving faith is something that we have to exercise um, because it couldn't be said, well, God, you gave one the ability to believe, but you withheld from another the ability to believe. Okay. People, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Chris, thank you, brother. We're going to go on to uh, Scott in Michigan. Scott, welcome. Hey, thank you. Just want to let you know, Bert and Alex, I spend about 66 hours a year listening to your radio station. So that's about a week and a half of work. I really appreciate what you guys do for, for the world here. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. The question I have for you guys is in regards to the Holy Spirit and eternity future. Right now I know the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins and uh, utters our groanings to God. But fast forward into eternity future what will the role of the Holy Spirit be like? We know what it is now, but I'm a little confused as far as in heaven, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? Scott, great question. And uh, Devin and I was talking about it. That's the first one that we haven't had. But let me, I don't, 
you know, God doesn't change. What does the Holy Spirit do now? I know he does that, but he makes much of Jesus. Uh, that's the whole idea, and I don't know exactly how you'll do that, Alex, but that's the whole whole thing. The Father would say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, the Holy Spirit descending as a dove. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he, he really points people to Jesus. What, what, how could you add to that in eternity future? Well, Scott, I want to commend you for being a, an astute Christian thinker because the only other person that I know of that really pondered that was Jonathan Edwards, the great New England pastor and uh, president of Princeton University. Edwards once wrote this little mini book on the role of the Holy Spirit in eternity. Now, here's what Edwards said, and again, I commend you on a an astute question. All right, First Corinthians thirteen. First Corinthians. 13 says, charity never fails, or love never fails. Prophecies they shall cease, uh, love never fails. So Edwards says, in eternity proper, for one thing, the Holy Spirit is going to forever be cultivating love in the hearts of the redeemed for each other and for God. Also, the Holy Spirit is forever going to be ministering and do you know the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, they're going to be manifested in our life forever. Perfect love casts out fear. Also, the Holy Spirit, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is, quote, the Spirit of truth. And you know, Bert, one of the exciting things of heaven, we're forever going to be learning, thinking, experiencing God. And the Holy Spirit will be working that in and through our souls. And one last thing is going to be the Holy Spirit will be uh, the great unifier. So uh, Edwards wrote about it. Uh, I don't think we completely understand it, but in terms of love, intellect, uh, godliness, and unity, the Holy Spirit will forever be working through the souls of the redeemed. Okay, man, Scott, thanks for that great question. It was and deep. It was. We appreciate it. Next, we're going to go to Indiana. Let me get my cursor here if I can find it. Uh, you know when you go to the eye doctor, you have your eyes uh, dilated? So I'm still going that way. I'm getting there. I got it. Doyle from good, Indiana. Yeah. Go ahead, Doyle. Hey, guys. It's my pleasure talking to you guys. I listen to you all the time. You guys are amazing. I'm, I definitely want to come to one of your uh, things that you put on somewhere and see you guys. Well, but, thank you uh, for question, listening. My question may be a little bit loaded. I don't mean it to be, but uh, I've been working with a group, uh, a patriotic Christian revival out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's called thrivetimeshow.com, and they've had the Health and Freedom Conference. And I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but it, basically it's a patriot Christian revival to address the issues that's going on in our country today, which we all know is kind of nuts. But uh, I've been trying to find churches in Indiana, just at this one church, that I need at least 2,000 seats. But what I'm running into is these churches seem to be seeker-friendly. They don't want anything involved with anything that could be a little bit political. And I just don't understand what that says in the Bible about that, because I, I felt that Jesus stood up for things that were right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Doyle, I'm going to make a, a, a statement, and I think it's an accurate statement and a good statement, and I pray that churches, pastors are listening. 
it's not necessarily true. Now, I, I don't believe churches should be isolated from politics. Don't hear me. But on the issues that we're looking at today that really are the points of, of contention concerning homosexuality, concerning gender identity, uh, concerning freedom, it's not that the church has entered into the political area. The politics has come into the area of the church Listen, we dare not back down. If you read 1 Corinthians, I, I just want to tell you, if you preach through the book of 1 Corinthians, Alex, you're going to get on these issues. You'll have to purposely avoid them, won't you? Yeah, um, I, I want to encourage people to seek out a book. We've had this gentleman on the show before, Neil Mammon, M-A-M-M-E-N. He wrote a book called Jesus Was Involved in Politics. But, you know, the church had a great role in the birthing of this country. Daniel Webster, a devout Christian, listen to this. Daniel Webster said, what we have in America has happened only once in 6,000 years. Daniel Webster, and he was speaking to Christians. He said, quote, hold on to this Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fall, there will be anarchy throughout the world, end of quote. And that's true. And we have to preserve morality. And like Dr. King said, the cause of civil rights and American liberty is the cause of God. So uh, I don't think we'd be down the river where we are if the church had been more involved, Bert. Amen. Thank you, Doyle. I hope you find that church that is willing. And if you're, uh, you know, a church that would do that, I pray you'd get a hold of Doyle. I, I bet you can find out about it. What's the name of that organization again, Doyle? ThriveTimeShow.com. You can find what they're doing on, uh, if you go to Rumble, just Google Thrivetime Show, and it gives it shows all the different events. They just had one in Anaheim, California. Okay, well, what I want to do, if there's somebody in Indiana, church, pastor, has the capacity to help you get in touch, and they can get a hold of Doyle that way. Okay, let's go to North Carolina and talk to Brandon. Brandon, welcome. Hey, Bert. Now, how y'all doing? Doing good today. That's good. I love the reference to Jonathan Edwards. I love his theology. And uh, I just had a question. Since we're on uh, Galatians 3.28, and it's, it's very clear, there is no more Jew and Gentile in Christ. And as Christ is the only way to heaven, the one and sent, one and only way, and I'm just wondering how in the book of Revelation one could say that the 144,000 are Jews when there is no more Jews nor Gentiles separation in Christ. We're all equal. Well, let me cross, just say huh? this, because if you read Revelation 7:3. That it, you know, it talks about the 144,000, 12,000 right. each from the tribes. Um, they are saved and they begin to serve, but they are drawn from the unsaved world. Now, when Galatians okay. 3.28 says, in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile, well, on the flip side, outside of Christ there still is. I mean, now lost is lost. But, um, and, and let me just say this, um, there's an old saying, you don't want to make an analogy go too far. We are free in Christ, but that doesn't mean that we can do anything. You know, we're not to be lawless. We are free, and yeah. yet we are bound. And so when Galatians 3.28 says that we are one in Christ, 
there are obviously still Jews and Gentiles. There are obviously still males and females. And the 144,000 that receive a seal upon their forehead and they preach the gospel, Revelation 7, 3, um, they are drawn from out of a lost world into Christ. So in the sense of their salvation, you're right. They're, they're part of that blood-washed family. But in the sense of their ethnicity, they're still Jewish and they're sent forth to preach. Okay, thank you, Brandon. Oh. William, you've got about 20 seconds to get your question in. I hate to put you that way, but I wanted to get you on today. Go ahead. Okay, I just had one quick question that Alex referenced uh, where it talks about judge not lest you be judged. What is the meaning behind that? Alex, go ahead. Well, we're not to judge after man. In other words, uh, we're not to say something like, um, who does who does he think he is going to heaven because I'm better than him? But the judge not in terms of using ourself as the measuring stick. That's what it's saying. We don't use ourselves as the measuring stick or the standard, only God. But it doesn't mean that we're not to evaluate and to discern truth in light of God's word. I'm not to make my judgments in light of my opinion, but I am to make judgments in light of God's revealed word. One more thing I'd add to that, William, and that is motives. That's the reason there's such a thing, the wrong with hate crimes. Oh, I'm, I'm going to judge your motives, and it says God looks on the heart. And he told Samuel, you can't do that. You look on the outward appearance. Now, we can judge or evaluate a person's action, and those actions tell us what might be in their heart. But listen, only God looks that far and that deep. We may have some discernment, Alex, but not the clarity that God has. And we better, better be careful addressing motives to people. Better be careful doing that, hadn't we? Exactly. Folks, we want to say thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. It really does mean so much to us. We love you. More importantly, God loves you. I encourage you, read on ahead in Galatians. Finish up Galatians 3 and 4. Tune in again tomorrow with more of Exploring the Word. And your questions, tell somebody about AFR. But most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.